Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. This, this is, is the, the game, game of roses. Welcome to the game, game of roses. roses. This is fucking rocked me. It's fucking rocked me. And It's fucking rock me.
Welcome to Game of Roses, Twibbin. This is Pace Case. This is Bachelor Clues. And what a week we have had in our beloved nation. So much news, so much parasocial play that we are going to cover. We've got an interesting (laughs) new little element of parasocial plays this week that may or may not have to do with some parasocial creatures. We shall see. Creatures. And of course, we're going to give you our screams from deep within the pit. But before we get to any of that, we of course are going to start this week in Bachelor Nation as we start every week in Bachelor Nation with a segment called Game of Roses. State of the World. Now, as you know, if you're a longtime listener, in this segment, we talk about some bigger piece of news that is happening in the world outside of Bachelor Nation, and then we break it down and tell you exactly how it's directly related to Bachelor Nation, because as we know, all things are. Bachelor Nation is either the cause of something happening in the real world, or it is a reflection of that thing happening. Bachelor Nation is USA. USA is Bachelor Nation. We always say. Everybody says that. I heard Dale Moss say it the other day in an Instagram post. Mm. This week, the bit of news that we are talking about is something that has been going on really all week long since our last This Week in Bachelor Nation. We are talking about the GameStop AMC stock market attack. By this point, I think everyone knows, but if you don't, the short version of what has happened here is... There are giant hedge funds who are shorting a lot of these companies, meaning they are betting on the idea that these companies will fail and they will profit off of that by doing short trades. Some of the companies they've been targeting are the AMC movie theater chain and GameStop, the video game store that is obviously on its way out because all video games now are downloaded. Nobody's going into a store to buy video games. So there was a big hedge fund called Melvin Capital that was betting hardcore against these two stocks and some others. And there was a Reddit group called Wall Street Bets that started talking about the fact that their short orders are going to come due soon. And if they could drive the price of the stock up, it would completely fuck this giant hedge fund. And that's exactly what they did. They got thousands of people (laughs) to band together, buy these stocks, drive the price up, and this hedge fund started hemorrhaging money because their short order was going to come due, meaning they would have to buy back all the stock that they bet on going down in price, and it actually has gone up. So what ends up happening is Melvin Capital loses billions of dollars. They have to be bailed out by their parent company, Citadel Finance, who also, by the way, owns a stock trading app called Robinhood, who, when this all started happening, they froze the ability to buy and sell and trade those stocks. Yeah. You can only do market manipulation if you're rich. That is the lesson here. What's really happening is that this isn't a thing about people on Reddit trying to get rich off of buying these stocks. It's really a protest. It was an organized attack to say, fuck you to Melvin Capital, to billionaire businessmen, to corporate business, corporate finance, and it worked. And now corporate finance is scrambling to figure out how the fuck they can ever stop this from happening again. So that's kind of the news that's going on. I thought it would be interesting to talk about the idea of the short, because I don't see this really being talked about much in the news. Mm -hmm. 
everybody's covering how these stocks are going wildly crazy and people are making money or whatever, but the idea of the short is that you are betting on the failure of something. You're betting on the price to go down. That's how you're going to make money, which is really counterintuitive to the idea of investment as a whole. Yeah, it's like negging investing. Exactly. It's so fucking weird to me. By the way, we should issue a caveat. We are not financial experts. We are... We should not be your only source of information on this on these matters. Yeah, we're in no way telling you what to do with your money. I was not in on any of these trades. I was late to the party, but I barely I barely know about any of this stuff, but I the idea of a short feels immoral to me. I mean it is. You're you're betting on someone else's failure instead of investing your time, money, energy, whatever your investment style may be into something that you want to succeed. You're actively hoping someone will fail. I'm assuming they also employ other tactics in order to get those businesses to fail once they have done that, right? Even the nature of them holding the position of a short becomes news within the financial community and everybody's like, "Well, they're shorting it. It means it's going to tank." And these Redditors were like, they're shorting it. All we have to do is drive the price up and it's going to fuck them. And that's literally what happened. Like it was a perfectly executed plan. And now Wall Street and the powers that be, including Elizabeth Warren, by the way, want more regulation on this so that it can't happen again. But the idea of the short in the American stock market was not always there. The American stock market opened in 1792. But shorting stock wasn't allowed until Jacob Little, known as the Great Bear of Wall Street, started doing shorting on stocks in 1822. So it was like a trick. It was a way to game the system that somebody came up with later. It wasn't Jacob Little, though. Shorting had been done in other world stock markets prior to this. But a lot of people blame the Wall Street crash of 1929 on shorting. And regulations started getting put in place in 1929 and in 1940 that banned short sellers from selling shares during a downtick. And that was in place until July of 2007. And now it's a free-for-all again. We no longer have the uptick rule, you're saying? Correct. It has been done away with. But now you might be asking yourself, well, wait a minute, I get it. There's stocks, there's shorts, there's AMCs, there's GameStops, there's Redditors. How does any of this relate to The Bachelor? I'm not asking that because you already said the powers that be. <laughs> well, and I know that that means the Bachelor producers. It basically on does. Bachelor Reddit. <laughs> I think that this relates to the Bachelor in a couple of different ways. One, short selling stock is betting on the failure of a company. It's very similar to what the producers do with players. They are actively, purposely trying to make the players fail so that they can gain financial success from it. We learned from Dylan Barber this week, which we're going to get to in a second as well, that producers get paid when people crash and burn on screen. When they get more screen time, the producers get paid. So they are literally orchestrating these situations, just like fixing the stock market, to make people fail for their benefit. Being paid in emotional trauma. But I think even more than that, this idea of the little guy versus the corporation is starting to ripple through every element of our culture right now, including Bachelor Nation. And I think it's why Dylan Barber went on his Twitter rant 
calling out the producers this week, which we're going to get to in both Bachelor Nation News and Parasocial Plays. This was a huge thing that happened with Dylan Barber on Twitter. And it's not just that he's trying to take down the show or say, fuck you, producers. He is also calling for the cancellation of ABC, the giant corporation (laughs) that promotes the fucking show. And I think it just got in his head when all this AMC stock shit Mm. went down. He was like, fuck it. I'm going to come after the man because his Twitter page also like has a bunch of AMC GameStop tweets in it as well. He's just riding the internet vibes. I love this theory. There were a lot of people proffered a lot of different theories for Dylan's rant, including that they were refusing to air a paradise wedding and that he felt like he wasn't financially tied to the bachelor at this point. And also including the fact that maybe he was promoting Jed Wyatt's podcast. But I like this one that it is tied to the stock exchange. (laughs) I mean, we're going to get to Jed Wyatt's podcast too, but like, where is it again? Because it's not out yet. I've been refreshing the page. There's nothing there. Jed doesn't talk. (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) The title is Jed Talks. I know we come up with like some harebrained shit on the show from time to time, but I really what? actually believe this. I believe this one is real. That this is his motivation for the Twitter rant mm-hmm. was the AMC GameStop trading frenzy that is still going on, by the way. And I do not know enough about the economy or Dylan Barber to say any differently. So, I mean, he's got it in his Twitter. He has multiple tweets about the AMC GameStop shit. Where he's like, hold the line, we're going to beat these bastards, that type of shit. He's had a wild internet Twitter style for a while. Has gone off and said some stuff that seemed to semi-imply he supported Trump, and then he said, I stay out of politics, and he's got a Twitter trigger finger like our, our last president. Who, by the way, silent. Haven't heard a peep about Trump since the inauguration time to short trump trump got shorted by the fucking media they erased him we talked about this in another state of the world where the true power and this is something that is associated with what we're talking about as well the true power exists only online now that's the primary world when you're looking at this amc gamestop shit i don't know if you guys remember some years ago there was a little in-person movement irl called occupy wall street where a bunch of protesters went and slept in sleeping bags and tents and shit on Wall Street to try and get regulation and laws passed so that Wall Street traders and finance people couldn't just fucking crush everybody like they always do. That movement was a massive failure. It resulted in no change whatsoever. This movement, requiring no one to show up in person, taking place completely online, has almost bankrupted some gigantic hedge funds. It's extremely (laughs) successful because it's taking place in the primary world. Meaning, again, the secondary world, the in-person world, the human flesh and blood world, meaningless. And Trump, too. He's gone. He's still a living person walking around somewhere. We don't know anything about him. He's completely out of the news cycle. I feel like this podcast is not going to age well. Like, he's going to have a renaissance, and I'm terrified for it. (laughs) (laughs) The Trump renaissance. Oh, God. Yeah, this has sparked a lot of change, a lot of ideas for how we tax Wall Street. I loved my old 
Berkeley professor Robert Reich tweeted a 0.1% tax on Wall Street trades would generate $777 billion over a decade. That's enough to end homelessness in the United States 38 times over. Full support. Well, we shall see if any lasting change comes from this or if the big corporate Wall Street hedge funds crush everyone and write their own laws, as has been the case for the past hundred or so years. (laughs) (laughs) But that does it for State of the World. We hope you've enjoyed it. And now it's time to move on to that part of the show where we discuss all of the movements of our favorite Instagram players from this historic season 25 of The Bachelor. This is... This Week in Games. As you all know, we are charting the ratings of the show and the Instagram gains of all of the players for this season. So let's jump in. The fifth week of Matt James's historic season, which saw James cleaning house and kicking out all of the bullies, as well as the time-honored worship of materialism on the Pretty Woman date, saw the highest numbers yet in the key demo of adults 18 to 49 with a 1.47 rating and in total viewers at 5.49 million. For the past three weeks, the game has been increasing viewers, which is a good sign as the playoffs are right around the corner. Matt James had a slight uptick in his gains as well. He got 38,000 this week, bringing him to 831k. And, as you know, all the other players are also in a chase to a million. And these are the top five follower gains from the week of 127.21, which is our last recording of This Week in Bachelor Nation, to today, Wednesday, February 3rd, 2021. The gold medal in gains this week goes to one player who absolutely crushed Everyone with a staggering gain of 90,000, bringing her into the 200K club at 257,000 total followers. It's Rachel Kirkconnell <laughs> from her Pace Cases MVP worthy pretty woman one on one date, good girl play, to raising her love level from love level one to three. Kirkconnell finally took the gains crown from Abigail Herringer this week. The silver medal in gains this week goes to 4TRR, STCO, ally of the JV squad slash Victoria's new rival slash alleged arsonist, Katie Thurston, 67K, bringing her into the 200K club at 230,000 Instagram followers. While she didn't make any huge moves on the group date, She made a move by omission in not revealing that she was the tattle regarding the toxic house and watched the fallout. The bronze medal for gains this week goes to New York socialite Kit Keenan. She gained 56,000 new followers for her three-minute one-on-one date, her hipster love level two, and her walls game because of being surrounded by too many gold Bentleys when she was growing up. She's now at 192,000 total Instagram followers, a new spotlight that may prompt even more wall play. I'm trying to get... 
my sports <laughs> delivery down, you know? Uh-huh. It's kind of okay. monster truck rally-ish a little I'm bit. I don't do know. I'm going to an impression of you for this <laughs> one. Fourth place again went to consistent gains juggernaut Abigail Herringer. She saw a gain of 30K, bringing her to 254,000 Instagram followers for her well-timed laying-in-the-cut fimp strategy up until now, where she decided to pull out an unstoppable PTC on this week's group date, securing her the group date rose. I love that. I think that sounded great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> New me. In fifth, <laughs> in fifth place was one of the JV's. Why would anyone? <laughs> I was say, why would anyone ever tell us to cut this segment? <laughs> I'm never. I love this segment. It's become my favorite. In fifth place was one of the JV squad, Michelle Young, gaining 22.4K, bringing her to 56.5K total for her post one-on-one jealousy slash tears victimization play on the group date. She also stood up for the newbies when Chelsea Vaughn was inquiring on the toxicity of the house. Other notable <laughs> gains. Victoria Larson gained 15.1K for her Blaze of Glory BOG. Bringing her to 62.1K total. Sarah Trot gained 12k for her ghost echo aftershock post swan song bringing her to a solid 191,000 total okay that one felt toxic <laughs> it's, like, it's starting into like a pro wrestling villain or something i gotta try and rein it back in i'll get there Chelsea Vaughn gained 13.7K for her 4TRR toxicity investigation and finding the golden horseshoe on the group date amongst all the goat shit, bringing her to 40.5K total. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to do this one more sports announcer and less pro wrestling. Ready? <clears throat> mm-hmm. Brittany Galvin gained 10.1K for her first flower bullying PTC and victimization for TRR Tears play this week, bringing her to 50.7K total. Smallest gain crown was a tie this week once again, going to both Night One girls Corinne Jones and Alicia Holloway for losing 200 followers, bringing them to 26.5K and 19K, respectively. So there's some interesting numbers coming in this week. We got Rachel Kirkconnell still dominating. That gain of 90K is insane. The Rachel Kirkconnell gains actually make sense this week, though, because she had a prestige one-on-one date, the Pretty Woman date, and got a ton of screen time. Her one-on-one got a lot more screen time than Kit. The one-on-one date with Kit was 3.3% of the episode, according to Bachelor data, and the one-on-one with Rachel was 10%, 12 minutes, versus four. Oh, it was four. And it was also far more visually interesting. 
she gets to come out in different outfits and spin around and twirl around and walk in with a bunch of shopping bags and you get to see the night portion mm-hmm. of the date with her shoe. Kit only had half of a date. We don't even know what the color of the underside of Kit's shoes were. And we can only assume it wasn't red. <laughs> it probably was red. What do you attribute Katie's second place gain of 67k to? I don't know. She was not that featured in this episode. I think it's just she had a huge gain last week and I think this is just after what did I call it echo aftershock <laughs> protocol yeah I think this is just um, the windfall of that I think it's momentum too though because throughout Bachelor Nation parasocially a lot of people are putting her up for the crown I've heard it said on mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts people are making posts about it I think that is getting her some parasocial momentum And she's feeding off of that a little bit. Totally. I saw someone cut together a fake trailer for her Bachelorette run on Reddit. I saw that as well. It wasn't you? No, it was not me. I ain't got that time. I don't know necessarily. I mean, we've talked about if this is an indicator for who's going to win. I still feel like although Rachel Kirkconnell's um, gains this week are potentially more explainable from her one-on-one it makes more sense like you're saying i still think this is a huge indicator i mean fuck the the pretty woman date itself is an indicator as we're finding out yeah yeah more day to, to come on that soon i thought it was pretty notable michelle young got in the top five this week mm-hmm. um and she didn't have a date i mean they sort of featured her being a little jealous on the group date um, she's putting in some parasocial work, changing her bio to the Maya Angelou quote. And I, I don't, look, I don't think, I think Katie Thurston is making the strongest play for Crown, but Michelle Young to me kind of has like maybe Crown vibes. I think there are like five or six players that have Crown vibes at this point. Katie Thurston is Who my favorite. <laughs> I think it's Michelle Young, Katie Thurston, Abigail Herringer. I think Bree Springs. I I think Serena P. Agree on all of that. Those Bree Springs, Serena P are playing very similar good girl, good girl strategies. I think Serena P is too young though. She's like 23. I don't know. I, I just feel like this season, the, the top like 10 players or at least the round of six they're all like pro players. Any of them could be wearing the crown. Yeah. And we're going to find out, you know, obviously very soon who that's going to be. And I do think it's going to have something to do with how far you make it in the season. I don't think they're going to do another Hannah Brown seventh place crown delivery. I think you're going to have to get in top four. I think it's going to have to have a, in quotes, hometown. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, the narrative of that can can shift pretty rapidly if we see some pretty strong one-on-ones. That is true. No gains really for MJ and Anna. If you go out on a down note like that, I don't think you get the gains. People aren't going to follow you if you're, you know, positioned as an asshole basically Completely on the show. villainized. Yeah. You get a bad <laughs> yeah. edit, you're just kind of fucking sunk, especially if you go out that week. And by the way, just a reminder to everyone, we evaluate the show as a game and we are presented with with the document. It doesn't mean that those people are actually evil. I've seen some like really hate hate filled things about Anna, and I'm like, 
the show is presenting her to you that way, completely one-sided. It doesn't, in my opinion, it definitely does not necessitate hate pages on the internet. Absolutely, I agree. What players do in the game is, it's gameplay. They're literally playing a game. Anything goes. The only rule of our beloved game is 4TRR. You have to convey that you're 4TRR. And if that starts to falter, obviously you get kicked out of the fucking game. But anything else is like, you're just in there trying to survive. And what we see on screen is what the producers want us to see. They can make anyone look like anything. And I'm not saying that these players necessarily were nice people, but I'm not saying they're bad people either. I'm saying all we have is that show to look at. And that show will never, ever uh, in any way affect my view of somebody as a person. I'm only looking at it objectively as gameplay. Because I don't know these fucking people. I don't know what any of them are like, you know? (laughs) All I see is what's on the screen in front of me which is a highly produced piece of media designed to make me feel some way about them. I just think it's it's important to keep in mind. And even within the document, you saw Anna was apologetic about it and seemed sincere about that. And I think at the Women Tell All, you're going to get a very similar story. I think Victoria will probably not oh give God. you that story. I cannot <laughs> wait for this Women Tell All. It's going to be pretty intense. Who's going to get hot seats? Victoria. Victoria. Anna might get one for her role in this. Yeah. I believe Katie will get a hot seat. What? You think Katie will be kicked off? Yeah. I don't think she's going to make final three. I, I could see her going to hometown. I don't know. The the promo oh, yeah. that they... Yeah, we still have a way. Yeah. We still have a few more episodes before Women Tell All, but I can see her getting it because they'll want to give her the screen time, especially if they're propping her up for crown. Yeah, um, she'll get a heartbreak, heartbreak hot seat. And I think they'll probably give Brittany one because of they'll need to exonerate themselves mm. for their role in airing this fucking rumor. Never forget that. A lot of people put the blame on Anna for saying this rumor. The producers put it in the show. They very easily could have cut it out and this rumor would have never existed. Never forget who the true enemy is. Hunger Games. Exactly correct. The producers are making this shit to make you hate Anna Redman. At any rate, those are all the gains this week from your favorite and not favorite players on season 25. And now it's time to get into all of the glorious news that has happened this week in our beloved nation. This is... Bachelor Nation News. First up in Bachelor Nation News this week, Dylan Barber made news, as we talked about up top, for his AMA-style Twitter rant that began by asking for the cancellation of The Bachelor and its broadcasting network, ABC. In the rant, he answered a series of questions from all comers, except Bachelor Clues. (laughs) Bachelor Clues asked if the players had ever unionized against the producers and received no reply, notably. (laughs) But he did reveal that producers have all control in the show, that they get paid off for their players getting screen time, that they don't care about people, that couples have to remain together for two years or forfeit the 100K ring they receive, that the producers fuel hate 
and most notably that Jed Wyatt did not cheat on Hannah Brown. This screed led to some other noteworthy players taking to their social media to answer insider questions, including the golden boy himself, Sean Lowe, who revealed in an Instagram story that the producers choose all one-on-one dates, not the lead. And even the subject of Barber's most revelatory tweet, Jed Wyatt, the ring winner from Hannah Brown's season, took to his Instagram stories to corroborate the validity of his friend's post and reveal that he would be releasing a podcast called Jed Talks on Tuesday. It is currently Wednesday afternoon at the time that we are recording this and that podcast has not been released. We will keep refreshing. Barber's longtime girlfriend, Hannah Godwin, alluded to doing some damage control in a post of her own on her Instagram stories. Barber and Godwin met in season six of Bachelor in Paradise and have remained an example of success alongside Kayla Miller-Keys and Deanie Babies Unglert from that same season. This is really the first time we have seen a player coming out against the producers publicly like this and asking for the cancellation of the show and the network that promotes it. He's going straight to the top here in a very open and public attack on them. Have we ever seen anything like this? I I don't think I ever have. No, no. We have seen what Blake Horseman calls off-contract energy where they're like loosely talking about how producers are like involved in production. We had Blake Horseman go on Olivia Caridi's podcast and talk about that, how they shot him. They wouldn't let him go to the bathroom and then they shot him running to the bathroom as if it was him running away from women. But nothing to this extent. We've seen Rachel Lindsay say that she was going to boycott the show if unless they cast a black lead for The Bachelor but she didn't call for the cancellation of the show. And we've never seen such just face value statements like the producers don't care about people and they fuel hate. Those are verbatim quotes from this Twitter rant. I don't think we've ever seen this attitude before presented in this way. And it's like we said up top, I think it is fueled a little bit about a little bit by what's going on on the stock market right now. And just in the country generally, this attitude of like, fuck, corporations, which I think is gaining a lot of steam. The responses were pretty interesting to me. I remember Sydney Hightower seemed to be a company man in this and was like, oh, I understand the sentiments, but not everyone's experiences are like that. Wants to host more group dates in the future, presumably. Yeah, but this was just an interesting moment and hopefully it is kind of the first crack in the dam that is going to allow us to have a tidal wave of shit like this coming from every player who has ever been wronged. This is very close to a date that we have been watching, the Ides of March, when PP <laughs> and Kelly Flanagan, when they were together, said they were going to come out this March 15th, which I assume is the end of his NDA, and reveal a lot of dirt. We don't know if that's going to happen now because they are broken up, and PP seems to be living a good life in New York City. Maybe he's moved on. Maybe he's put the angst and anger behind him. Maybe he wants to touch sand. That too. We shall see. Up next in Bachelor Nation news, Tasha Adams scores a mainstream gig as a guest host of Entertainment Tonight this week. 
She no doubt had a great reference on her resume in the form of the Dark Lord's concubine and Entertainment Tonight veteran, Lauren Zima. This career move by Adams follows in the footsteps of fellow crown Rachel Lindsay, who herself holds down hosting duties at rival entertainment magazine Extra. This is a trend we will likely see more and more of in the future, especially with players like Dale Moss openly stating that on-air hosting is a professional goal before coming into the game. I love this move for Tasha. She's sitting at 1.8 million followers. If she gets a hosting gig, could she reach that 2 million mark? First player of color in the 2 million club. It's possible. I don't see her as a host. She doesn't have that vibe to me, but I'm curious to see what she can do on Entertainment Tonight. She might be able to knock this out of the park, and if she does, yeah, like maybe she becomes a real TV celebrity. I'd be fascinated to watch that, but I just love seeing more Bachelor players starting to infiltrate at these levels. Like, it's going to start with the entertainment shows, then it's going to be going to ESPN. I'm guaranteeing you, you're going to see Matt James doing ESPN breakdowns of football games, where he's not even talking about The Bachelor, or Dale Moss, or Tyler Cameron. One of those guys is going to be doing that very soon. (laughs) Mini scream from the pit for me. Someone was telling me about their fantasy football league or something that they won a game or something. And I said, oh, got that dub. And I realized I was quoting fucking Matt James talking about a group date. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, congratulations to Taisha for this upward movement in her career. And we hope that it only continues onward and upward from here until she has her own show. Next up in Bachelor Nation news, the 20th Bachelor and ordained Minister of Baby Sea Turtle Blessings, Benjamin Higgins, released his first book this week, Alone in Plain Sight, Searching for Connection When You're Seen But Not Known. The Dark Lord himself lent a glowing review to The Bachelor, who once described himself as not that white, famously, saying... In Alone in Plain Sight, Ben Higgins takes what is already known of his public life and adds the personal, deeper things, the questions and stories of God, others, and himself, and it creates a book that is honest, relatable, generous, and encouraging. I finished reading it and felt somehow less alone in my life, too. But not enough erotic sex montages. I added that last part. (laughs) (laughs) On Amazon, the 240-page tome is ranked number 490 in books, number six in Christian family and relationships, and number one in Christian social issues. I hope that our book will be up there in Christian family and relationships books. Our book will be number one in books. (laughs) And in all categories, Christian or otherwise, I have no doubt. As long as we can get the Dark Lord to give us a blurb as glowing as this one was. (laughs) I love the line that Dark Lord Harrison put in there. I feel less alone in my life, too, after having read this. Lauren Zima's like, excuse me, do I not make you feel less alone, asshole? It's like you need the Ben Higgins book. No, he's alone in plain sight. I have not read this. I saw some pulled quotes from it, and it's a bunch of kind of inspirational type shit. Will you be reading it? No. Uh, no time. What yeah. we're doing with this podcast, what we're doing with the time Instagrams, cop. what we're doing with 
the fucking book yeah it is i'm time copying myself right now (laughs) (laughs) that's an amazing amount of restraint and i'm proud of you for your progress it's not because i don't want to i want to read this fucking thing cover to cover make notes analyze it i want to read it 10 times decipher the true meaning i'll never be able to do it unfortunately i won't say never you're gonna just continue feeling alone that's the price i pay i suppose i think there may be a time where we have the time to dig through some of these books and this will definitely be high on the Mm -hmm. list i'm very curious about it my number one is i want to read courtney robertson's book i think yeah for me too that i think is the most important one maybe we'll do that as a patreon at some point yeah but congratulations to little ben higgins on all the christian success he's experiencing with this book not so unlovable moving on to the next item of bachelor nation news the expansion of the bachelor franchise is in the news this week as we all saw a request for applicants for the spin-off show featuring senior citizens looking for love the casting site reads now casting seniors looking for love Are you entering your golden years and looking for romance? The producers of The Bachelor are looking for active and outgoing single men and women in their golden years for a new exciting dating show. Applicants must be legal U.S. residents. Other eligibility requirements apply. The application on the official site is the same as the standard application for The Bachelor or Bachelorette, and a thorough search revealed that it also includes the all-important clause which reads... Each applicant agrees to release discharge and hold harmless the companies from any and all claims, including, without limitation, claims for slander, libel, defamation, violation of rights of privacy, publicity, (laughs) personality, and or civil rights. Will these players' extra years on planet Earth grant them any more wisdom? to possibly have pause at the idea of signing away their literal civil rights, or will the allure of an influencer career late in life spur them forward? Time will tell, but we are looking very forward to watching whatever this new show becomes. Did it detail what exactly Golden Years is? Do you have to be a certain age? It's 65 Can plus. Can sweet numbs apply? 65. Yeah. So you must be vaccinated. <laughs> That, that probably will be a requirement. No masks. I'm so curious about this show because a lot of what makes our beloved game so entertaining, I believe, is the youth of it. It's that psychologically, all of these players can be controlled by the producers, like what happened with bringing in the new players. The producers created that event specifically to make them all go crazy and it worked they all went crazy if you do some shit like that to 65 year olds they're just gonna be like oh nice to meet you where are you from you know like they <laughs> it will be like the one season show that we <laughs> recapped on instagram live labor of love where everyone was older and they just sort of hung out and <laughs> didn't cause any drama yeah i don't think the format of the show will be like a bachelor or bachelorette with one lead dating 30 people i think it'll be more bachelor in paradise yeah oh i can't wait whatever the format of it is i'm i'm just so curious to see who comes out of this as an influencer someone will somebody's gonna get a couple hundred thousand instagram followers off of this patty james Ooh, maybe 
I don't know. I don't know if anyone will be related to Bachelor players, but this is a fascinating new development. I'm very glad that they're still doing this show. I know once quarantine happened, there was some conjecture about like maybe it just got fucking tanked, but it looks like it's still yeah. all systems go. I like if you were a casting producer on this, you must be salivating, especially if you've done a bunch of Bachelor shows and it's like, OK, look for the 23 year old fucking Instagram influencer type person. And now it's like you get to deal with all these fucking 65 year olds. Fascinating. Think of the PTCs. Oh Everyone my is going to have like 20 PTCs. 20 PTCs that are going to be like the most crazy shit you've ever heard. I mean, some of them are going to be like, my whole family is dead of old age. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's probably going to be some widows. God, I hope it I hope it is literally the exact same format as Bachelor in Paradise and they have to like go zip lining and stuff. <laughs> they make the sixty five year olds like There's fight each other and shit. There's IFI's a boxing galore. <laughs> <laughs> but they'll all be real. And I'll be like, Oh no, I have a hip replacement. I can't do that. Uh, yeah. Oh fuck. Yeah, it's gonna be great. And like they have to do like their little their little intro parts of the song in like bikinis and stuff yeah are <laughs> they gonna be in water. hot tubs are they are these like staples of our beloved game gonna be present in this show i mean we haven't seen a bachelor show without a hot tub yet yeah time will tell i'm very excited for this personally and i'm i was just very glad when i saw that flash up uh at the end of one of the portions of our last episode I was like, oh, fuck, Me it's too. happening. It's fucking happening. I love it. I love the experimental nature. I enjoyed listening to your heart, even though very few Americans saw it. <laughs> <laughs> but globally, it took off. We just don't know. Uh, and closing out Bachelor Nation news this week, we would like to take a moment to honor the one-year anniversary of an event that rocked Bachelor Nation to its foundation. One year ago this week, PP cut his head on a cocktail glass while shooting his historic season 24 of The Bachelor. The clumsy stay-at-home son was lumbering into the back seat of a golf cart when he inadvertently shattered a glass on his own head, causing an injury that had to be remedied with a round of stitches. He attempted to jokingly explain the gash to the players of that season by spinning a yarn about an impromptu grappling match with a puma. PP, we hope that your heart heals as well as your scar did as you move into your new life in the Big Apple. And perhaps we'll see you soon in the scorching sands of paradise. That was a beautiful paragraph. Well, when I write about tribute, things happen, you know, that's when my fingers just do the work. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. I just go into a trance, a pee-pee trance. <laughs> well, that does it for all the Bachelor Nation news this week. And now we are moving on to that portion of the show in which we talk about all the plays that the players of our beloved game are making off the field and on the screens that we all hold in our little hands. This is... The parasocial play, 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 play of the week. First up in our parasocial plays of the week, 
earlier this week, the female goat, Caitlin Bristow, went on her Instagram story and talked about the Matt James, Chelsea Vaughn, hair and racism, PTC, and then talked about her own hair insecurities and did SpawnCon for a vitamin. She then performed an Instagram apology tour in her stories, saying that she was so sorry and I'm so humiliated that I did not listen. She posted a clip of herself watching a video called The History of Black Hair, saying that she was educating herself. She said, Chelsea's experience is deeply ingrained in black culture and beauty standards, and I have now done so much research into what looked what that looked like for many centuries. Shame on me for contributing to make a profit off a black woman's struggle. Vaughn posted a response story. I will always appreciate anyone who's willing to openly listen and learn and take responsibility for their actions. Caitlin Brist- at Caitlin Bristow, thank you for your personal and public apology. Very well played on both their parts. Bristow holds herself accountable, although I would like... I don't know if we saw this, but she probably should donate that money that she made off of this. Um, Vaughn highlights this connection with one of the hugest parasocial players in the game and combines it with her own very strong TikTok game, continuing to build herself as a parasocial powerhouse in her own right. Yeah, this is a very interesting parasocial play. It was receiving mixed reactions from within Bachelor Nation. Some people saw the apology as necessary and good. Some people saw it as fake and too soon, too quick. But we will see what happens to Caitlin Russo as a result of this. I don't think she's going to lose many followers. And honestly, I don't know how else she could have handled it. Like I'm saying, I think she could donate that money. Mm-hmm. But I do think the straight-to-camera accountability showing that you're doing the work... What else can we ask of people? I mean, she could have put it in her main grid. That is true. The disappearing nature of the Instagram story does make the apology a little more fleeting. And this is something that all players have to navigate parasocially. Do you want this thing to be around forever? Because if it goes in your main grid and then later you don't want it to be there, you then have to delete it and that becomes news. So putting in your Instagram stories is saying, look, I'm doing it but I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm going to move forward, move past it as quickly as possible. You get 24 hours of me doing the right thing. And then bye-bye. Here's some more (laughs) spawn con for you. The next piece of parasocial play that we want to discuss, of course, involves Dale Moss and Claire Crawley. They are still parasocially dueling with one another as their breakup continues to happen. This week was a tale of two Instagram lives. Claire Crawley did an Instagram Live that she posted to her main grid. It was optimistic, a tone of readiness to move forward, and this was taking the high road inspirational strategy. This post has over a million views on her main grid. Dale Moss also did an Instagram Live, which he did not post to his main grid And so it disappeared. However, this video in full can be found on Reddit and other places around the net. He apologized in this video. He cried in this video. He said it sucked in this video and he said he was in a bad place. He is taking the hardcore victimization sympathy strategy here. And I don't know if it's working. In this duel, Claire is certainly coming out the victor. And we are watching Mm -hmm. the implosion of a parasocial god as he tries to maintain relevance through what is 
the worst parasocial event of his career so far. Yeah, I think she has gained followers and he has lost followers. Not a notable amount, though. And while I commend him for producing Tears, Wet Face, for TRR, it is sort of in response to his earlier Instagram stories where people were saying that he was taking the breakup too casually. So it feels, you know, maybe like a knee-jerk reaction to that. What I'd love to see from Dale Moss is a kind of resurrection Mm -hmm. parasocial play. Give me a short video. Waking up in the morning, a sunrise, going jogging, something of these natures that shows me you're back out there and you're going to do it. Just a little buffer to give us the time to get used to your next post, which has got to be in the Superman outfit or something of that ilk. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where it's like back to the old Dale Moss, the shit that we loved watching. Because I don't think his parasocial power is actually that tied to Claire Crawley. It's like, yes, he went on the show and all the shit, but never forget, she fell in love with him because of his parasocial play. That was there before Claire Crawley, and I think he can still maintain that momentum what he was doing never forget that you found parasocial joy before you dated claire (laughs) (laughs) whatever the case may be this week produced this kind of head-to-head match between claire and dale claire definitely came out the victor 100 percent. like there's not even an argument to be made for dale moss but i do still think we haven't seen the best of dale moss yet that is still to come Day's case, you're saying. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. By the way, mini scream. Lots of people tagging me in Dale Moss's posts <laughs> and tagging Dale Moss on all of my Instagram posts. Now, I have mixed feelings about this. <laughs> God, I have a lot of screams this week. You do. You're like, I have 22 mini screams and three main screams. Yeah, I have a full. I have a full dose of scream coming up. Next up in Parasocial Plays of the Week goes to a JV player slash newbie slash intruder, Michelle Young. She made her Instagram bio the Maya Angelou quote, people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. Pairing this with her Instagram main grid being only six images is a very strong Bachelor-specific branding play that I appreciate. I know someone unearthed an old tweet of Matt James where he is tweeting this Maya Angelou quote, which makes me think Michelle Young has done her homework, and she has done her homework in the deep scrub as well, going farther than any player did this season in deleting all of her Instagram posts. But she has made it this place where if you click it it is very clear that is the michelle young from the show the time it takes to go from that profile to clicking follow i imagine is greatly shortened by this hardcore branding it's amazing to watch she is one of to me she's one of the key players that is exemplary of the professional era there is no doubt in my mind Michelle Young did her fucking research in the preseason, looked through all of Matt James' posts, saw that Maya Angelou quote, and was like, I'm going to fucking use that back on him. Not only did she do that, 
she fucking broke her Instagram down to fucking basically no posts. This is something we tell all players to do if you're sub 10,000 before the beginning of the season because there is no need for any of the other shit. And then she changes her fucking bio to the fucking thing she's now known for in the game that is a reference to her preseason work. This shit is high level fucking parasocial play. It's beautiful. I love it. And I cannot wait to see more players doing this next season. The next season of Bachelor? Season fucking 26? I'm already salivating for it, thinking about what the fuck (laughs) is that going to be like. And don't even get me started on season 27, because that will have been a full year of our book being in the world, and then season 27. That season is going to be fucking incredible. Are you saying that Dylan Barber made a mistake shorting The Bachelor? I am curious if we're going to see some more Michelle Young research plays, a la Blake Moynes buying the book on dementia to read in preparation for Claire. (laughs) I think she has done a deep dive into Matt James's social media. And I think every interaction she's going to have with him is going to be based on a strategy she's laid out coming into this game. I think she's a better player than Moines in that she's never going to tell us direct to camera. I bought a book to prepare for this. She's just going to, we're just going to see the fruits of that labor. Exactly. Exactly. Michelle Young, I think is a very astute player and just even from what we're seeing her do mm-hmm. in the fucking game, she came in late and immediately was like, let me go ahead and get that one-on-one and be a front runner instantaneously. And even like, we didn't really highlight it, but her subtle, her subtle play on the group date of producing tears made it about her in a way that group dates don't tend to be about anyone. <laughs> no, she's very good at everything, apparently. Even this parasocial shit, she has six fucking posts. I'm just like, my mind is blown by this. This is the thing. This is the archetype that we've been talking about. But it seems crazy when we're telling people, delete all your fucking things before you go on the show. Mm -hmm. That seems crazy. It seems like an experimental play. Well, she's doing it. And it's working. Yeah. Speaking of doing it and working, our next parasocial play that we want to highlight goes to young Noah Herb. He posted a TikTok using a filter that shows who your celebrity lookalike is, and he gets the mustachioed character Derek Zoolander, as played by Ben Stiller. This video is about 10 seconds long. He does nothing in it other than letting the filter do its work. You see Zoolander pop up behind him. This TikTok has 3 million views, 292,000 likes. I don't understand it. The simplicity of it, maybe. (laughs) The comedy of the fact that the Zoolander character does kind of look like him because they both have mustaches. I guess, but three million fucking views? I guess. No, I don't understand it at all either. I thought it was going to be a lot funnier. If I may. I saw that three million. I believe this is indicative of TikTok becoming more important than Instagram. You can get more views there for doing less work. And I do think it is where people are watching things a lot more now than Instagram. These were all incredible plays done by very strong players, but there can be only one winner. And our parasocial play of the week goes to Dylan Barber's Twitter rant. 
It was culturally significant outside of The Bachelor, tied in with our Game of Roses State of the World, and had everyone in Bachelor Nation a buzz, despite what some hardcore fans might say is quote-unquote stale tea. (laughs) It was done by a player who's in one of the power couples of Bachelor Nation who don't often speak up on this type of thing. Usually the players who speak up on this are the ones who got villain edits, the ones who have been bullied extensively by the show. This play was beyond doubt the most significant parasocial play that happened this week for all the reasons you're mentioning. I also think that it's significant outside of Bachelor as it's attached to everything that's going on in the stock market right now. But again, as we said up top, I I mean, we mentioned this literally in the state of the world. We mentioned it in Bachelor Nation News. Now we're mentioning it in parasocial yeah. plays. A three category. Three seg. It's just so important that players are able to say this shit now. He says the producers fuel hate. I've never heard a player say that, ever. So we just hope that this play is a model for other plays like it to start coming out in the near future. Hopefully PP is on deck for the Ides of March. Fingers crossed. PP, we're waiting. Don't disappoint us, PP. And before we close out the parasocial plays of the week, we'd like to highlight a few parasocial players who were (laughs) not quite human. That's right. (laughs) We're talking about some parasocial creatures of the week. Matt James appeared in a series of Instagram posts and stories this week with Tiptoe the Tortoise, who is the star of an Instagram account with 50,000 followers called Caitlin and Tiptoe. The Caitlin in question is Caitlin Duran, who has 9,000 followers of her own. It's unknown how she and Matt James are linked, but James appeared on Tiptoe's IG to feed him a few roses. Tasty! And Blake Moynes enters the parasocial creature game with a post this week depicting an adorable possum walking on some newspapers featuring an article about Moynes' time in game. The caption reads, Bachelor Nation loved to shit on my relationship with Tasha, so why not let this cute possum do the same? Ha ha. The post tags Urban Wildlife Care, a sanctuary that Moynes works with from time to time. These two creatures were both too cute to give a winner to. They are co-winners of the Parasocial Creatures of the Week. New cute award alert. <laughs> I like that they're they're both on brand because James has said that his favorite... Well, he's said multiple animals are his favorite, but he has said tortoises. And Blake Moynes also goes with his brand of extremely self-deprecating nature lover it's beautiful work love to see it and that wraps up all the parasocial play this week now has come the time for pace case and i to cut the rope and fall straight down to the bottom of the pit where we will scream with all of our might into one another's faces about how this show is affecting our lives. I mean, at this point, the show has taken over our lives. We are The Bachelor. The Bachelor is us. We are The Bachelor. The Bachelor is America. We are America. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if there is a, 
a notable uh, difference in our tones from the beginning to now. Oh, yeah. I've gone back and listened to a few of our old shows within maybe like the last two or three months. There are shows like Screams from the Pit started out with us being like, I can't believe we're doing this. Why are we doing this podcast? I can't believe this show has a hold over us. Blah, blah, blah. Now it's like, that's all gone. We are fully mm-hmm. in this now. <laughs> Screams from the Pit! My Scream from the Pit this week is a story I have not told clues yet, but it was very traumatic. So I have been accosted by several anti-maskers during the pandemic. I think the first one was when I was in San Francisco and I moved I moved out I saw these two guys coming up the sidewalk towards me. They both weren't wearing masks, so I walked around them around a car in the street and the one who was closest to me jumped out and yelled boo at me then in west LA I was taking a walk and a bicyclist came up behind me not wearing a mask and I moved out of the way and he leaned down and he made kissy noises in my ear and I screamed, like, fuck you at him. Um, there was a man and his child walking towards us, and the bicyclist gestured to the guy, like, oh, this crazy bitch. The third time, I was crossing the street in the sidewalk, and a man leaned out his car window and he goes, whoa, stay six feet away. So none of these times have I done, have I said anything at first um, to provoke these reactions um, besides, you know, spacing myself out. But something happened this week, which was slightly different. Um, I was walking at a trail nearby my house and with my friend Catherine and it's not a very popular trail but there are people out there and there was just I don't know maybe one in three people wasn't wearing a mask and it was getting very frustrating to me and these two guys come up to us and like don't give us any space on the trail we like move to the side and it just came out of me and I said oh do you guys have masks and the two guys they were probably middle-aged they kind of looked like they could have been related one of them was wearing a cross necklace started cussing us out in all of these various ways screaming at us um I've honestly blocked out most of what they said but at the end one of them in a German accent screamed Sieg Heil at us Jesus yeah um 
literal fucking Nazis hiking near where I live. And I don't know, Catherine like said something. She was like, where do you guys live? You're not from here, are you? Or something like that. I like immediately burst into tears. It was just like, just like a horribly frightening situation. And I felt so immediately guilty because I had basically, basically endangered both Catherine and I by like provoking these guys essentially. Um, And was like, they could have easily just like fucking attacked us. There was no one else around at the time. Um, but I was just like, it's a good reminder. You know, you don't know, (laughs) you don't know who you're dealing with when you're encountering strangers. And how does this relate to The Bachelor? (laughs) Well, (laughs) oh God. I then, (laughs) I then was on a date And I told this story, and as I was telling it, I realized, I was like, I'm playing a PTC here. I'm playing a personal tragedy card (laughs) that had just happened. Um, (laughs) And I was like, this is just a very, you know, yes, we've been doing screams for a while, but it was a, it was a, it was a strange moment for me to be recounting this encounter with Nazis and realize that I'm using bachelor terminology to categorize this in my mind. <laughs> well, I mean, that's terrible, obviously. That's so fucking bad that, that happened to you, and I'm sorry that you had to experience this traumatic event. But I am yeah. glad that you got value out of it as a PTC. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the support. Waste not, want not. God, that's fucking... Have you been, have you been yelled at anyone, Clues? I feel like this happens to me more than most people. No, I've not been screamed out, but I also don't emerge from my home until about 11.30 p.m. when I take my little, I do like about a mile and a half jog every night, um, and there's no one. Like, I don't ever see a person. Mm. Yeah, I don't recommend it, <laughs> seeing people. I don't know if I just, like, have this look about me that causes people to yell at me. I mean, this this one was, I had actually verbally said something, but... The anti-maskers don't like me. I don't think anti-maskers like anybody who says anything about, hey, can you wear a mask, put on a mask, please, any of that kind of shit. It's this badge of honor. They're looking for that fight. Those guys were waiting for somebody to be like, hey, do you have a mask? Fuck you, Sieg Heil. That's fucking crazy. Sieg Heil, the guy said. That is exactly what Catherine said. She was like, he had that locked and loaded. It came out immediately. And it, you know, it's it's like a reminder that there's the Nazis aren't going away with Trump leaving. They're they're fucking hiking, and that rage that they feel is like they're hiking because they want to get in a fight. Those guys probably Mm -hmm. had a conversation like we should go out to fucking whatever trail you were on and see if we can find somebody to yell at. I mean, that was probably their purpose for going out that day. No, they did not appear to be athletes. Well, speaking of athletes, my scream from the pit this week <laughs> involves some sports discussion. 
as I've stated before, I think in Screams from the Pit, I play in a Dungeons and Dragons game with some old high school buddies of mine. We do this on the weekends. And it's like, yes, we play Dungeons and Dragons, but really what it's more about is us getting together for a couple of hours and like shooting uh-huh, the shit, okay. reliving our old childhood memories and all the nostalgia from the 90s and shit when we grew up. And so almost always we talk about old 90s movies like Van Damme movies or Schwarzenegger movies. We talk about the video games we played and we talk mm-hmm. about sports of that era. And so on this particular night this week, we all start talking about who's the greatest basketball player of all time and who are the greatest football players and all this shit. And we're all on our computers. We're all looking up stats and people are fucking, you know, backing up what it, Michael Jordan was the greatest player. He's got this many championship rings. He's got this. He's got that. No, I think it's LeBron James. He's got this. He's got this. He's got this. It's Larry Bird. Larry Bird's uh-huh. not even in the conversation. Bah, 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 bah. You know, back and forth, back and forth. And I'm just like kind of watching all this. I have like casual interest in these sports specifically where they fit into my kind of nostalgic view of my childhood and stuff. But I'm not as into like contemporary football as any of my friends are in this Dungeons and Dragons game or basketball or any of that shit. Mm-hmm. But I am into The Bachelor, as you might know. And so, at a certain uh-huh. moment... jamming in. <laughs> yes! At a certain moment, I fucking am listening to them talk about who's got the most pass yards and all this kind of shit, and I'm just like, well, you know, Nick Vial has the most total roses at 18, <laughs> and blah, 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 And I just start oh spewing out Bachelor stats. You did not invoke the great one. I invoke the great one. <laughs> and I just start spewing out Bachelor stats in the face of all these sports stats that they're saying, you know. And they know that I do the Bachelor podcast. They know that, like, I'm very into the Bachelor. Uh, but they are kind of, like, rolling their eyes at me when I'm doing this. And in my head, I'm like, mm-hmm. you motherfuckers. You're talking the exact same they shit. They thought you were mocking them. I don't think they thought I was mocking them because I was also involved in that other sports conversation. I think they were like, the bachelor's not a sport type thing. And it's like, I'm literally showing you how it is. The exact same way you're talking about these other things, I'm able to talk about the bachelor like that with similar statistics to back up whatever I'm talking about, you know? And I was Mm -hmm. hopeful that it might like drag one of them into the pit, but it did not work. There's a hard barrier on my D&D friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like they're never gonna fucking be in the pit literally ever but i tried are they all men yeah mm. but i did find it interesting just in terms of a kind of field test of how to talk about the bachelor in a sports context it fit right into that conversation like not to them because it was like players they didn't know it was <laughs> names they didn't know and it was metrics they didn't know But very importantly, just to me, it fit right in. No, but it does because they were talking about like who's the best quarterback this year in the NFL. And they were talking about quarterback ratings. They used that. And I was like, well, you know, if you're looking at RQs, you got your best RQ of all time was Caitlin Bristow at .074 and blah, 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 blah. You know, sub one RQ is very hard to come by. And they were just kind of rolling their eyes. But I'm like, no, this is exactly the same. It's right in there and it really made me feel good about the idea of the bachelor becoming covered like a sport because i i just like saw it so clearly that like dudes sit around and have these conversations like this about like who's the best football player and here's a number that could prove my point i'm like we've done it we've made that same language for the bachelor and it fucking Mm -hmm. works a hundred percent it does and we see it season after season everything sort of fits into these into this 
gameplay narrative. And now we're even furthering the narrative. We're the one fueling it now. When you see Tyler Cameron using our game terms, that's not going to be an isolated event. It's going to continue to happen. You're going to see it in the document eventually. Anyway, that was my scream. I don't know if it was much of a scream as more... It was maybe more of a... That was a scream. Oh, it was? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Your friends are trying to have this conversation. You know, it's their one weekly time they get to socialize and they're talking about their favorite thing and then Bachelor Clues comes in. It's like, Bachelor counts. Bachelor is football, is basketball. You guys, why are you seeing it? It's a scream. <laughs> I, I don't know if it's a scream. I'm also a friend in that group. Don't I get to talk about my favorite thing in the same way? Like, that's kind of how I viewed it, you know? It's like, I can have this conversation with you just about a different game. You're talking about... Did it hurt your impression of your friendship that they weren't taking you seriously? N- no. I've known these guys since I was like 13 <laughs> years old. I don't... It's not... Our impressions of each other are exactly the way they'll be till the day we die at this point. Well, I'm glad you, uh, glad you're socializing. I'm glad you're getting some good ideas. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm glad you're socializing too. I'm sorry that your social endeavors are involving Nazis. That's fucking terrible. Yeah, I had not... Did not think I would ever talk to a Nazi. Did not think I would meet a James Taylor who is a white supremacist bachelor nation person. God, especially in LA. I know that we live in a bubble, all that shit, but you just never think something like that's going to happen in fucking LA. Especially not East LA. Maybe the beach cities. (laughs) They have all the MAGA rallies in... uh, Manhattan Beach. <laughs> not not that that necessarily means people are Nazis, but yeah, it was it was startling and I've thought about it. I can't stop thinking about it. That altercation. Yeah, it's a pretty rough one. Hopefully. I'm surprised I didn't tell you, but maybe part of me knew it would be my scream. <laughs> <laughs> This just gets darker and darker. I was like, well, I can use this. <laughs> You're like, okay, I know I was just attacked by Nazis, but this will make a good podcast portion. I haven't gone back there yet. It's like right behind my house. I will. I'll reclaim it. Well, as always, I feel a little better after screaming. I hope you do as well, Pace Case. No. <laughs> Maybe next week. I just like now I'm like I'm now I'm like going back there in my head and I'm just like Yeah. I'm just like I haven't fully recovered from the from the situation yet, but yeah, I hope fourth time's the charm and I don't have uh anti maskers yell at me anymore. As do I. Thank you everyone for coming along on this ride for this week in Bachelor Nation. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will be releasing a podcast episode this Monday on our Patreon, and it's going to be a good one. It's going to be some digging. We're going to be digging a little deeper into an episode of the Vial Files. That's right, Nick Vial's (laughs) 
podcast came out earlier this week. He had a guest on, an actress named Rachel Harris, who Pace Case and I have worked with before. And they do a recap of this past week's episode. They get into gameplay speech. They get into talking about what the producers do. And it's interesting to hear them talking about the game mechanics because they understand that they exist, but they don't know what the plays are or how to make them. So it's going to be very fun to break down (laughs) how they're talking about it because it is important to see these other podcasters starting to talk about it like a game, like we do. They just don't have the game understanding yet. Yeah, this will be our first digging deeper of vial files since our first ever digging deeper where we did we broke down that interview he did with reality steve so i'm very excited to do that with you clues especially you know (laughs) given just the the tone that you put on that preamble (laughs) it conveys a level of like true joy and excitement i haven't listened to the episode yet but i'm excited too yeah it's gonna be good and you know, we were hopeful that we were going to be able to do Jed Talks, but again, as of right now, that podcast does not exist. Jed has lied to us. He said it would be out Tuesday. It is now Wednesday. There are zero posts on the Jed Talks podcast Instagram page, and there are zero episodes of that podcast in existence. We don't know why. Jed, put it out if you want to be on our Patreon. The highest honor. I can only assume it's it's something to do with legal problems. Some lawyer listened to what he recorded and was yeah. like, if you put this out, totally. they're going to sue you into oblivion. We don't know. But what we do know is that we received a lot of great tids this week. Thank you so much for sending them in. I love them. I devour them. I subsist only on them here at the bottom of the pit in the dark shadows. Please keep sending A tid sending. is a tidbit, a.k.a. a bachelor nation item of information. Yeah, sorry. If any of you are new listeners, a tid is that. <laughs> I just like it. I've gotten point, some messages. What is a tid? <laughs> I, I've gotten them too. And at some point, the language just takes over that we've created. And I just yeah. begin speaking it. And I don't even stop to think, like, oh, there are people who don't know what the fuck I am saying. Did this happen on your Zoom? No. And the reason it didn't is because the language is so similar to sports language. When when they're talking about quarterback ratings, and I say the RQ, that's like a quarterback rating, they all immediately know what I'm talking about. They just don't care about the specifics or the players I'm referencing and shit, but they get the idea mm. of an RQ immediately because they're so entrenched in sports languages of other sports. They understand the mechanics of an RQ, you know? How do we reach these kids? We're doing it. We're doing it now. We're reaching these kids. This language may not be for them, but it's a similar kind of language that's for an other audience. And I, as I said in that scream, it was proof positive to me that the language we are making is correct. It is the right language to describe our beloved game. But yeah, that episode will be available www.patreon.com slash Game of Roses on Monday. Monday, we will also have our Patreon pregame show live, which is at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time on game days. And as always, before we go, what is that dwab at? It has been 6,890 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Lord Harrison. 
Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um three body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant based anti wrinkle. Uh, It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by get this 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact, Mm. they have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the... Tighter skin guarantee you with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe. Unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things. And I need an easy install. And this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage, so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater, and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.